Thank you, Father Sizemore. It's great to be back here at St. Francis de Sales Church. I want to thank Father Sizemore, Father Gentry, uh, Father Slattery, as well as uh, the deacons here present, the teachers, catechists, all those who have helped prepare these young people for this great day in their lives. I want to thank their sponsors who in a particular way have accompanied them in these last months, as well as their parents who have given them the gift of life and the gift of faith and brought them also to this day. To one and all, I give thanks, especially to you, young people, for opening your hearts to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit with, whom you will be, with which you will be sealed at this service. Now, I am a relatively new bishop, not even a year, and so I haven't done a lot of confirmations. But I have been to a lot of confirmations in my lifetime. And usually what happens is the bishop wanders down the aisle and he asks the kids questions to see if they're well prepared. And usually the confirmandi begin to sink low in the pew and look down at the ground and look away. Thought I'd mix things up this year and ask the sponsors questions. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's absolutely no need to ask any of you questions because Father Sizemore has testified that you are well prepared and found worthy of the sacrament. And I know that priests never lie to their bishops. We are grateful that you are here. Sometimes we have our doubts as to whether we are worthy, yet the Lord chooses and calls us. He called us out of darkness into his own marvelous light. Through the waters of baptism, he made us a chosen race, a holy people, a people set apart. Through the waters of baptism, he washed away all our sins, including the stain of original sin. He made us a member of his family, which is the church, he imprinted his own image on our souls, and nothing and no one can ever take it away. And in baptism, the Holy Spirit was poured into our hearts. You are temples of the Holy Spirit, and truly God's children by adoption. And it is that spirit that allows us to cry out, Abba, that is, Father. The same Spirit of God animates the work of the church, which is being built up by each one of you, the living stones, into a spiritual edifice capable of offering spiritual sacrifice pleasing to God, the offering of our very lives and our bodies as a pleasing fragrance in the sight of the Most High God. In our first reading, we also heard how the apostles had to carry out their mission. They knew it was not right for them to neglect God's word, to wait on tables as the Greek-speaking widows complained that they were being neglected. So the apostles discerned that they should appoint seven men who were of good repute, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, to serve as deacons. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And they too then, the apostles laid hands on them and conferred upon them a power, and they began their service as deacons in the church. We are blessed to have our deacons with us. And the deacons, the priests, the lay faithful, we all have a role to play in the church, in this spiritual building, of which Christ is the cornerstone. We all have a role to play in the mission of the church. The apostles, too, and I stand here as a successor of the apostles, had a role to play in the early church, and it continues on to this day, that the word of God might go forward. But the apostles, too, were first called each by name. Peter and Andrew, James and John were simple fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector, Simon a zealot. Each one of us was called by name. Nathaniel, that is Bartholomew, 
He was sitting under the, the sycamore tree when the Lord saw him and also called him after Philip had said, we have found the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. God knows each one of us by name. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our potential to do great good. My dear young people, God also knows about you. The Holy Father, Pope Francis says, we should stop to think that God dreams about us. You might have your hopes and dreams for your life, maybe even for heaven. We should all dream for heaven. But think about how valuable you are. No matter how little or how old you are, God thinks about you. He knows about you. He dreams about you and your happiness. He has a plan for each one of you. And he had a plan for his apostles. And so Christ called the apostles to be his. He called them to a special friendship. And he began to teach them. And he began to explain things to them in parables. And he showed them great signs and wonders after he called them. They left everything to follow him. They didn't know where it would lead. But he led them on a great adventure, the adventure of faith. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw him multiply loaves and fishes. They saw him heal lepers and make them whole again, make the blind see, the deaf to hear, the mouth, the, the mute to speak. He's, they saw all these things, him turn water into wine. They even witnessed Jesus' humility when at the Last Supper he washed their feet, leaving them an example. All of these things they saw. And then we come to the 14th chapter of St. John's Gospel after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, and he tells them, I am going away. I'm going to leave you now. And there must have been a tremendous loss. I'm thinking about this sense of loss these days, especially as Mother's Day approaches. My mother passed in October. And there, when you hear someone is going away or when someone passes, there's a first stage where you're thinking, how am I going to make it through the immediate loss? And once you get through that, then time passes a little bit, but then there is a sense of absence, a lack of the presence of the person you once knew. The apostles must have experienced this when Jesus said, I am going away. I'm going to leave you. But Jesus immediately calms their fears. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. Otherwise, how could I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again to take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Jesus wants to be with us. He doesn't want to leave us alone. He doesn't want to leave us orphans. But he was going to away. He was going to have to suffer, die, be raised from the dead and ascend to his father's house, but only to prepare a place so that we could be with him once more. Where I am going, you know the way. And Thomas, who had been with him all that time, said, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Our second reading from the first letter of St. Peter speaks of people who have no faith, how Christ becomes a stumbling block to them, how they've rejected the, sto uh, the, the, how they've rejected the stone, the cornerstone, which became the cornerstone. 
The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. But you, you have faith. Jesus is the way. If we want to go to the Father's house, the only way is by uniting ourselves to Jesus. Only in the name of Jesus can anyone in heaven be sa- and on earth be saved. This is the way to the Father, through him. Last Sunday we heard, I am the gate. The only way to pass through is through the gate, who is Jesus himself. I am the way. I am the truth. The truth is not just an abstract idea, a philosophy. It is a very person. The truth of Jesus is that his love is stronger than our sins. The truth of Jesus is that he is the son of the Father. The truth of Jesus is that everything he ever told us was true, and in him there is life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Not only here below can you have life abundantly through union with him, but in eternity. There is no other way. Young people today, they watch Star Wars all the time in the Mandalorian. They always always say, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. He is the way. The only way. Any other way leads to perdition. Any other way, you go here, you go there, and it's like all around this church. Road closed, road closed, roads closed. You can't get in. except through Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. You are committing yourselves, my dear young people, not just to a set of principles or to religion, but to a whole way of life, of true friendship, of a living relationship with Jesus. And that will demand something of you, great sacrifice. Thomas says this, and Jesus, having responded, then gets a a comment from Philip. Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus is sort of heartbroken. Jesus is the best teacher there is in the world, and his disciples are dumb as rocks. Philip, how can you say, show us the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. You know, they heard, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He and the Father are one, but Philip just doesn't get it, not yet at least. Sometimes we don't either. Jesus and the Father are one, but Jesus had to go to the Father's house, and he promised that he would send another, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Consoler, the one who is the bond of love between him and the Father. And it is through this Holy Spirit that the apostles would be able to do still greater things but they did not understand. They could not receive this saving truth, these words at that time. What happened then? How did Jesus' friends respond after the Last Supper? They went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they fell asleep. Jesus was seized. Simon Peter had said, Lord, I will never deny you. But he would deny him not once, not twice, but thrice. And the cock would crow that day. Judas, whose whose feet Jesus had washed, would betray him with a kiss. And for 30 pieces of silver, that's all. We too have been given the great gift of faith, friendship with Jesus, and what do we do with it? Do we nurture it? Are we good friends? Are we loyal friends? Sadly, we are not always. We want to be. No one wants to be a bad friend. 
But we are fragile and weak, as were the apostles. And when Jesus underwent his passion and trial, they abandoned him, except for, the, interestingly, the youngest one, John, the beloved disciple. He, along with some women, stood faithfully by the cross. Jesus then would suffer, he would die, and he would rise. And the apostles would find themselves in St. John's Gospel on the evening of the resurrection, locked behind clo closed doors in fear of the Jews. But the risen Lord would come to them, and he would say, the first words out of his mouth, peace be with you. He did not say, you cowards, you yellow-bellied cowards, where were you? How could you? You failed me. Gee, with friends like you, I don't, who needs enemies? He didn't say any of that. The first thing he said to them is, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced to see the Lord. He who had been crucified was not dead, he was alive. He showed them his hands. Again, the hands for the Jews were a place of great intimacy. It says in the book of the prophet Isaiah, I've written your, hands on the, uh, your names on the palms of my hands. Your names are constantly before me. Yes, God knows us intimately. And as Jesus shows them his hands and sides, as if he's saying, you have done this to me, but still I come to you. Still I love you. You belong to me. You are mine. And then he said to them, peace be with you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, which should remind us of the book of Genesis. The Spirit, the Ruha, hovered over the waters at the dawn of creation. When God fashioned Adam from the clay of the earth, he breathed into him the breath of life and made him a living being. If that happened in the first creation, now we are seeing the new creation, the recreation. God is taking the apostles from their situation of fear and giving them the promised Holy Spirit, renewing them in the power of the Spirit, making them from a situation of fear to one of life and courage, from one of death to boldness and life. And then he said, after giving them the authority to forgive sins, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. My dear young people, you will be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you will be sent forth from this church on mission. When it says road closed, you will have to open the road, show people the way. This is the way, the way of the Lord Jesus. This is the way of happiness, the way to forgiveness, the way to healing. And there is no other. Jesus when he began his public ministry, was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He overcame the devil in the temptations in the des desert and was driven by the Spirit back into the public life. And he unfurled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to captives, to set at liberty the oppressed, and to proclaim a year of favor. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Today in the United Kingdom, Charles was crowned as king. But how was Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, how was he sent into the world? Not in majesty, but in poverty. He had no throne except for some harsh straw. 
He had no royal robes except human flesh and a little rag in which his mother wrapped him. He had no great onlookers. He had the poor shepherds. The only crown this king would win, would wear, would be the crown of thorns for us. This is how the son was sent, in poverty and humility to save us. To whom he was sent, was he sent? To the poor, to the sick, to the lame, to the foreigner, to the tax collector and sinner to bring them salvation. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He was sent in humble service when he washed his apostles' feet. And now it is time for a new generation to take up the mantle of being called as disciples and being sent as missionaries. We are both disciples and missionaries, disciples first, but we are missionary disciples, filled with the joy of the gospel, sent forth on mission to set the world on fire. And amongst the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit, one of the ones that is given to you is fortitude, that is courage. Each one of you chose a saint. Some of the young men, maybe some of the girls too, probably chose Sebastian. He's a patron saint of sports, right, which is why he gets chosen. But he was martyred twice. Once he shot full of arrows, he recovers from those and went back to the emperor and says, it's not right for you to treat the Christians this way. And he was clubbed to death, a glorious and noble ending. There is St. Francis of Assisi. It took him great courage to strip himself naked and to say, I have God alone as my father, and to embrace poverty. Or Maximilian Kolbe to say, I am a priest. This man has a family. I will substitute myself. I will take his place and be executed at Auschwitz. Or St. Catherine of Siena to tell the Pope, it's not right for you to be in Avignon. Go back to Rome. Go back to the city of Peter and Paul. And they obeyed. Or still more boldly, St. Therese de Sioux, courageous as she was, the little flower, who says, my vocation is to be love in the heart of the church. Today, the church does not need any more lukewarm Catholics, half-hearted disciples who want the easy way out or the easy way in. We need bold and courageous witnesses. But witnesses to whom? But to Jesus, to his death and resurrection. To say, I will be a witness to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus is to say, I will be a witness to love, to a love that is stronger than death. Indeed, in the United States, we have a lot of this world's goods. We have great riches and wealth. But Mother Teresa of Calcutta would say, there is a great poverty of loneliness. We have all kinds of things, and so very little love. When the Lord calls you and sends you, he is calling you to be a witness to his love. That is who he wants his church to be. St. Francis de Sales, your patron, the patron of our diocese, says, be who you are and be that well, in honor of the master craftsman whose handiwork you are. Well, you are a child of God. You are a member of the church. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a disciple and a missionary. As the Father has sent me, sent me, so I send you. I send you into the world as missionaries of God's love, of that love which is stronger than death.